Thank you so much for that song, Robbie. <clears throat> I have two verses that I uh, tend to read to myself just before it's time to preach. <laughs> and um, one of them is the verse that, um, where Samson says something like, Oh, Lord, if you help me this one more time. <laughs> and the other one is in Exodus 14. You know, sometimes there's something to do for God, and sometimes it's just time to be still my soul. <laughs> Let him do something for me. And in Exodus 14, Moses said, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. I thought of that verse when you led that song, Robbie. <clears throat> I want to thank each one for coming out this evening. It's good to see some new faces and some old friends and uh, new friends. And I've been blessed so far in these days being here. My heart does go out to... Um, the Ernest Yoder family, and I guess, I've, amazing, I get to be here for the funeral. Uh, wasn't necessarily expecting it was going to happen in this way. That's all in God's hands. <clears throat> I did want to say, I didn't I fail to say this last night, that I would like to bring a message to the youth one evening, and now with the, I'm not sure what the funeral schedule is, so I'm not sure when, so you just have to come every night, and then we'll figure out when to plug this in, but... Um, there are four ingredients that I would like to share with you as youth that I think are key to, to having influence in your church. You know, youth can be very influential in a positive way. And um, I hope that's the, the desire of your heart. If you're a youth here in this church, that you desire to impact this congregation. So I just would like to share some things that I've gleaned um, that I think are key and you being a youth of influence. <clears throat> I would invite you to stand with me, and let's uh, work on our memory work. It's John 7, 37 and 38, if you weren't here last night. I'm sorry this is in the King James Version. If you don't have your King James, you probably know it anyway by heart in the King James. But John 7, <clears throat> verse 37 and 38, and after we say the verses, then let's say the reference. <clears throat> Let's start with the word Jesus in the middle of verse 37. <clears throat> All together. Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. John 7, 37 and 38. Thank you. You may be seated. That's my prayer for my own life, that, you know, if we just get the flow right, if we just get that, if we drink of Christ and, and, and get this flow working properly, then the things that he has called us to do, we will be able to do, and we'll be do, able to do it with his exclamation point on our lives and on our, on our work for him. <clears throat> One thing that I have noticed among our people in this generation, I think it's a good Thing, and that is the desire to be relevant. And maybe some of us don't care that much about that. <laughs> if we don't, we should. And we don't just want to huddle up in a fort and put up walls and keep out all the evil and hope that we can preserve ourselves and hold out until Jesus comes. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what the guy with the one talent did, right? No, we want to make a difference in the communities and the culture that we live in. We want to be relevant. We want to come to the end and have God say, well done. 
You had, all you had was loaves and fishes, but man, that was so well done. As I think about that question and being relevant to the culture that I live in, and I've just come to this conclusion, I hope you understand me when I say this, that there is something that's more important than being relevant to the culture, <clears throat> and that is being relevant to the kingdom. And if I am really relevant to the kingdom of God, then I will be very relevant to the culture that I live in. And I think it is possible for us to get this thing turned around to where, where the, the being relevant to the culture is, it becomes like an idol and we lose sight of the kingdom of God. <clears throat> I would like to talk about the kingdom of God this evening and how if we're going to be Christians of influence, it is critical that we understand toward which values and which laws we are trying to influence people towards. There is a version of Christianity that is popular in America today. <laughs> I've talked to a lot of people, not as many as I should, but I have talked to a lot of people who seem to subscribe to this version of Christianity. It's one where there is just very little cost in following Jesus. You can have the same entertainment, the same use of money, the same sexual boundaries, the same temporal values as most unbelievers and still be a part of the kingdom of God. It's, it's, it's a Christianity without a cross and without a cost. I've heard people describe it this way. You know, it's, it's like somebody's offering you a million dollars and all you have to do is accept it. It's that easy. And if that were really true, and someone walked in here with 100, I don't know how many people were here tonight. Maybe there's 110 people. So someone has $110 million. I mean, how hard would it be for you to hold out your hand and take one of those million-dollar bills? <laughs> it would not be hard at all. You know, we are not here to live for the American dream. And I fear too many of us, too many Christians... That's kind of the model we're following. And it's not too far away from the American dream. I've heard, I've heard Christian people say, well, you know, you know you're, you're, you're at retirement age now. You deserve it. You know, just, and I think of that verse. Just sit back, eat, drink, and be merry. <laughs> Whoa. God help us. We are here not to live for the American dream. Now, we are here to embrace and promote and call others to live for the values of the kingdom of heaven. And it is very opposite of what most people are living for. It may be that we may not win many converts. Now, I'm all for winning converts. I'm all for reaching out to those that are lost and the unchurched. That's my heart. But just remember, what's more important than being relevant to the culture, or maybe I should say, maybe I shouldn't say more important, maybe I should say in what sequence should it be. And number one is to be relevant. To the, that's your, your primary duty, Christian. First of all, is to be relevant to the kingdom of God. 
I believe it is critical we understand that the values we will call others to and embrace are so upside down from what is popular that if we don't see and embrace this kingdom calling ourselves, we may influence people towards the wrong kingdom. Jesus did say in Matthew 7 that narrow is the way which leads unto life. I don't think we need to apologize for that. I gave the message the title tonight, The Call of the Kingdom, and I would invite you to turn to John chapter 3. The Call of the Kingdom. I'm going to read just a few familiar verses here. In verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, This is Nicodemus. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, this is the kingdom that I'm talking about. The kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, in these three verses here, we... We hear the, we see the famous phrase, born again, is one that, that, that Christianity has championed a lot. And well, Jesus championed that phrase, so he, he, he initiated that phrase. We shouldn't apologize for that. <clears throat> However, we do see this phrase, born again, I think is in the Bible, is it only twice? Maybe it's three times. Three times, what my research uh, told me. And the phrase, the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, is used in the New Testament. Okay, the the phrase, kingdom of God, is used 69 times in the New Testament, 46 by Jesus himself. And so it seems like, and I owe some of this to David Bursell, but it seems like the theme of Jesus' ministry was not born again, personal salvation, but it was the kingdom of heaven. That was really, that was really the the theme, the burden of his preaching. I used, to, I used to have this version, when I read these verses, I, I thought of it in this way. These verses right here, John 3, verse 3, and especially verse 3 and verse 5. And, and so it basically, to me, it said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, unless you're born again, you can't go to heaven. Now, that is true. <laughs> or verse 5, unless you're born of water and of the Spirit, you can't go to heaven. You need to be born again so you can go to heaven. And I've learned, and that is true. But I've come to a place now where I don't think that's what Jesus was saying here. I think what he was saying is, unless, unless you have had your heart changed, unless something, unless that life that we were talking about last night, unless that life flows in. And you remember when it says the light, the life was the light of men. You remember that. You know when the light comes on. And we suddenly see the, the, the temporal values we've been living for, the money that we've been accumulating for ourselves, laying up treasure for ourselves. See how foolish that is in the light of eternity. When the light comes on, that, I think that's what he's talking about in verse 3. He says, you know, if you're not born again, it just doesn't make any sense to you why you would live your life upside down on what the rest of the world is doing. But when you have been born again, you can see the kingdom of God. You can enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 5. 
<clears throat> Therefore, I believe that being born again, through being born again, through having our heart changed, you know, I want to say something about the heart. <laughs> That's one thing I've been thinking about, we've been wrestling about as parents, and my wife and three youngest children are here tonight. We, you know what? They might be listening on the conference line. Whoops. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but Sheila and I have been talking about, you know, we tend to work so much on behavior, behavior. Wrong behavior, wrong again. <laughs> you can't argue with your sister. And you know, somehow the heart has to change. Is that right? <laughs> and isn't it the same way for us as grown-ups? For the unbeliever, for the carnal Christian, if there is such a thing. And they do things and they say things and they spend their money on things. They watch things that they never should. And we say, man, you need to change your behavior. <laughs> you know what? We can, we can put lipstick on a pig. But we need to change the heart. Jesus said, <clears throat> Jesus said, are you so without understanding? Do you perceive not that that which enters into a man cannot defile him? Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly. He was talking about food. They were arguing about food. <laughs> Washing hands. But he said, that which cometh out of the heart defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. Are there any of you here tonight that have had evil thoughts? Adulteries? How about that? Fornications? Murders? Thefts? Covetous, wicked, deceitful, lascivious, and evil eye? Blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All of these evil things come from within, from the heart, and they defile the man. Unless a man is born again, that heart. You know, I hear people say, man, my, you know, the heart is, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Well, that's the wicked heart. <laughs> what about when Jesus got a hold of that heart? Is it, is it still that way? God help us. It better not be. <laughs> you know, when the life of Christ comes in, it does not produce that. It cannot produce that. The life of Christ cannot produce that. So when the Lord God gets a hold of our heart, it helps us to see the kingdom of God. It helps us to see the foolishness of the world. <laughs> you know, that's one of the things I noticed, that those verses I read are out of Mark. And the list that's in Mark, and I think the other one is Matthew, it's basically the same quotation from Jesus. There's a few more details in Mark. And I noticed the last one at the end, it says foolishness. <laughs> that's not one I tend to think of. The life of Christ that is in you, does it help you to see the foolishness of the things the world is chasing after. <laughs> you know what? Some of the church is chasing after it too. God help us. <laughs> I heard somebody say one time, in the early church, the Christians were in the arena. <laughs> they were being killed by the lions. Now the Christians are up on the stands. <laughs> 
So being born again gives me citizenship in the kingdom of heaven immediately. Immediate citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. You see, you are not yet a resident in the kingdom of heaven. But if you're a Christian tonight, you have citizenship. You got your green card. <laughs> you're guaranteed entrance. You're guaranteed residence eventually in heaven itself. If, if you are a faithful citizen. You know, there's a lot of debate today about immigration and building a wall. <laughs> You know, what would you think if somebody came in to your community, they didn't pay their taxes, they sat on the porch, they, you know, did nothing to contribute to, the, to this country, and yet they expect all the benefits. You'd say, man, why don't you get to work? And I wonder what God thinks when people claim citizenship and they expect residency. <laughs> and they're sitting on the porch. Citizenship requires loyalty, Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first your personal salvation. <laughs> Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that. You know what? I've wondered this already. I, you preachers, you can correct me on this one, but I've wondered already. If God is saying in this verse, you know what? You let me worry about your personal salvation. You seek first the kingdom of God, <laughs> and I'll just add it to you. Sometimes I think we're consumed with our personal salvation and the kingdom of God. Well, I, I, I hope I get to that later, but at least I got my personal salvation. That's, that's the thing that consumes my heart. I think we should be, but it's supposed to be when we see when we've been born again and we've been saved. And we see, now we see, now we see, just like I was talking about in the children's class, you know, open this man's eyes so we can see. We begin to see the beauty of the values of the kingdom of heaven. You don't have to live for it. You get to. What are the values of the kingdom of heaven? Matthew 6, 9, and 10. After this manner pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> you imagine how it's being done in heaven right at this moment? And all those angels are scurrying around and the, the, whoever's around the throne, you know, they don't miss a step. They do everything perfectly. Everything is in perfect order in heaven and all God's will is being done perfectly in heaven. And Jesus said we should pray, oh God, let it be like that on earth. Among us who have had our hearts transformed and we could see the kingdom of God. And God looks down at this Bethel church and he says, man, my will is being done on earth. Hallelujah. Living for the values of heaven while living on earth. That's when God king, God's kingdom comes. You know that phrase, thy kingdom come. I, wonder, I always thought it was meant, let us go up there. Let us go to your kingdom, oh God. He says, thy kingdom come. I just think Jesus came here to introduce to us the kingdom of God. And how we can enter into it now, in this life, and live for his values now. Living for the values of heaven while living on earth. <laughs> heaven on earth. 
until he comes. I believe the biggest difference between popular Christianity and authentic Christianity is in the popular version, the purpose of the kingdom is accomplished when you become a Christian. That was the whole purpose of Jesus and everything is to get you saved. And once you're saved, it's done. Now you can eat, drink, and be merry. You're saved and you're going to heaven. And I think Jesus would say, wait a minute, no. No, now, now it's beginning. Now the purposes of the kingdom will be fulfilled on earth as it is in heaven. Now that you're saved, now that you're born again. The purposes of the kingdom are fulfilled after you become a Christian. Well, of course, that is one of the purposes is that you be saved. Of course it is. But it's not an end. It's the means to a higher end. That is the kingdom of God. The purpose of the new birth is to give you a vision, to give you a desire, a want to, and the strength to reproduce the kingdom of heaven while living on earth. You know what, Christian? When you became born again, you just became liable for the constitution of the kingdom of God. You are responsible. You took on the name of Jesus. You said, I am a Christian. (laughs) Jesus is not here, but I'm here. So watch the way that I spend, watch the way that I talk, watch the way that I live. And I will show you how Jesus himself would do it if he were here. You are liable for the laws and the values and infecting others for an appetite for the things of heaven, for the kingdom of God. I would like for us to look at the constitution of the kingdom tonight. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. I just want to make some comments out of the Sermon on the Mount. I call it the constitution. (laughs) I think this would, this wonderful sermon of Jesus would put into a nutshell maybe, maybe not all the laws. (laughs) You know, the United States has laws, doesn't it? A lot of laws. And the kingdom of heaven is no different. It has laws also. And we're going to look at some of them in here in just a minute. But the difference between the kingdom of this world and how it will, how it will make sure that you follow its laws is that it will, it will enforce them. And if you don't follow them, you might end up in jail. You might even end up in an electric chair if you don't follow the laws. But, so the difference for the kingdom of heaven is you get to do it. You don't have to. You voluntarily. That's the way it's enforced. Guess what? You voluntarily get to do it. Matthew chapter 5. Let's just read a few of these verses. And I just want to point out, I want to look at some of the laws of the kingdom of heaven um, in in these three chapters. But let's just begin reading at verse 3, Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now I just want us to think about, as we look at the Beatitudes, when someone has been transformed, remember I talked about that heart and how it needs to be changed. Guess what happens first? It, It first gets a change in its attitude. So the internal and the way that it thinks, it's these things right here. This is how you begin to think now. Do you think in these ways? Are you poor in spirit? Blessed are the poor in spirit. They see the kingdom of God. They've been born again. And now guess what happened? That that guy that used to be so proud and so arrogant and always talking about himself, guess what he is now? Poor in spirit. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> Blessed are they that mourn. They shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. Oh, do you hunger? Is, is, what is your normal? <laughs> you know, when you get into the word of God and the things of God and you talk about the things of God. Is that, are you like those, those two on the road to Emmaus that say, man, didn't our hearts burn within us? God help us. Sometimes we are so dull. We're so dull. And it should be. When we're standing around after church and we talk about the things of God, it should be, oh, my heart was burning within me when I talked to Brother Glenn. That's what it should be. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. You know what? God has a way of filling that, that appetite. And it's so refreshing. I know what it's like to taste and hunger and hanker after the things of the world. And I know what it tastes like to be fulfilled with the things of God. It's so much more. It just, it just scratches a deeper itch. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's so much better. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I was in a courtroom one time. There was a, an accident, a terrible, terrible accident that had killed three children, three youth. Some of you probably know about this. And the question to be decided that day in court was, the perpetrator... Uh, the, the question was, how long was she to lose her driver's license? Was it five? Some other things had already been hashed out, but was it five years or 15 years? And so the father, one of the victims, he, he, there was a statement he wanted to make, and he went up in front of the courtroom and he said, he said, I'm going to call the girl Sally. <laughs> and Sally, because of you, my son will never go to his graduation. Because of you, I will never have any grandchildren. I forget what I always said. Because of you, my son will never this and that. He said, I am asking for the full 15 years. And this, here we are, a bunch of Mennonite people sitting in the courtroom. Mennonite victims, Mennonite perpetrators. I couldn't believe it. Blessed are the merciful. They shall obtain mercy. You know what the defense was at that time? Man, what would you do if your son was killed? I mean, come on. You know, I know. I can't imagine the pain, the foolishness of that accident. It did not need to happen. Reckless driving. Three young people were killed. Do you know what? God didn't say in his laws about forgiveness, he didn't say, well, you know, when there's a terrible accident, and I'll put this little, in the fine print here it says, you can just, you know, no. No, the life that is in Christ Jesus that should be in you says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Can the life that is in Christ Jesus that is in you, can, can, can you say that? 
See, we can say that. You possess the life that is in Christ Jesus. We may possess. And we can say, you know what? God has been so merciful to me. God be merciful to me, a sinner. <laughs> I forgive you, brother. And of course, you need to work through that again and again. I'm sure. I can't imagine. I'm going to ask for something really strange. Norman, could you bring me a Kleenex? I'm up here crying. <laughs> I don't have a Kleenex in my pocket. I don't want to keep sniffing up here. <clears throat> Thank you, brother. Thank you. Sorry for the distraction. <clears throat> and I could go on <clears throat> just reading those, those attitudes, those internal attitudes that we should possess as new citizens in this new kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, living on the earth. <clears throat> you know what? These attitudes are the attitudes you will have in heaven. If you get there, you will have these attitudes. And Jesus is saying, you may possess them now. In fact, you must possess them now. If you are going to keep these laws that I'm about ready to tell you what they are, you need to have these. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus said. And if the salt has lost its savor, you know, that's unfortunate. Sometimes we have lost the savor and we're, we can be not too far different from the way the unbelievers are doing in our attitudes about things, the way we spend our time and money and our resources. We're not supposed to be flavoring the world with that. You know, I've heard say, I'm not a cook, but I've heard say that you put a little bit of yeast or a little bit of salt in the recipe, just a little bit. And it flavors the whole thing. You know what the percentage of true Christians is to the percentage of people in the world? It's probably very, very small. And God's saying, you know what? You can infect the whole thing, folks. <laughs> I want to use you. I need you to infect the rest of the culture with the values of the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> I just want us to look now, <clears throat> I just want to mention some of the laws that I see in this kingdom of God. They're just as real as the laws of the United States. And I'm just going to refer to some verses in chapter 5 and 6. The first one <clears throat> I want us to look at is in verses 21 through 26 of this chapter, chapter 5. There are laws of relationship that you are liable for. And... Uh, <clears throat> In verse 21, I believe it is. It talks about um, <clears throat> being angry with his brother. Whoever is angry with his brother without a cause, verse 22. You're responsible for that. If you're angry, if, if you have ill will, you have an issue, some relationship issue with someone else. 
You know who's responsible for that? It's not him. It's you. You are liable for that. And then interestingly, down in verse 24, it says there, or verse 23, if you come and bring your gift to the altar, there remember that your brother has something against you. Guess who's responsible for that? <laughs> Sorry, that's you too. Now, isn't that, that's pretty intense. So whichever way the flow is going, you're responsible by the law of the kingdom of heaven. That's pretty strict. You guys have that as a law in your church? <laughs> One of your standards? <laughs> I suppose you do, in a sense. <clears throat> I, I think sometimes we look at the laws of Jesus, and like, wow, it's, a, it's higher than the standards we have. <laughs> Way higher. Laws of relationship, that's the first one. Uh, the, the second one that I see now down in verses 27, 28, 29, or 31 and 32, laws of morality. Verse 28, whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery. You know, there's three or four lists in the New Testament that that's talk about lists of things that it says if you commit this and this and this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You're not going to heaven. And, and, and interestingly enough, the first thing on every one of those lists, I think there is one in Ephesians 5. I better not try to say where they are. I know there's one in Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians. And the first one on all three of those lists is something to do with moral failure. Something to do with sexual sin. <clears throat> and so Jesus speaks to this here. Laws of morality. <clears throat> so we all know that sleeping with someone else's spouse is adultery. We all know that. Even the world knows that. But Jesus takes it a step further and says, if you even look with lust, guilty as well. Guilty as well of adultery. And then it also says in verse 32, whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. So in three counts, in three different ways, um, according to the laws of heaven, you're committing adultery, you're breaking God's laws of morality. <clears throat> you know, I've thought already that when man, I was telling Galen tonight of a man that I met um, who was in his third marriage, I have never met a man that was so open to talk about the things of God. Not much of a church background. Uh, I ran into him in the grocery store and struck up a, a conversation. We met for a number of months and we were discussing. We came to Matthew 5 <laughs> and we came to this scripture right here. And uh, <clears throat> believe me, it put a dent in our, in our communication. I just want, I wanted to speak the truth in love and, and say what, what I see in scripture. To me, it's not that hard to understand. But anyway, <clears throat> I thought of it in this way. You know, when, when someone gets married, the laws of this land say something about that. I mean, it's, lo it's the law of the land. It's in the courthouse somewhere that you are married, Rich, isn't it? Right? I could go to the courthouse and probably find a record of that. And at the same time, up in the law, the courts of heaven, there was another law established. And God says, <laughs> how does it say? Um, what God hath joined together. So at that moment... In heaven, God joins you together. God joins you. And so when, when man, then down in, the, here, down, here, down in the court of earth, man goes, separates, and divorce, and remarriage, and so on. <clears throat> what happens in the court of heaven when there's a separation in the court on earth? <laughs> yeah, that'd, be like, 
That'd be like the lower court saying to the Supreme Court, sorry, Supreme Court. <laughs> no, it's going to be this way. This is the ruling we made, and we're going to stick with it. You know, we can do that. But the Supreme Court, what God said, still stands. Laws of morality. Lust is adultery in the new kingdom. You know, I think Satan loves pornography because he can get people to commit adultery without ever sleeping with anyone. In verse 34 and 37, laws of honesty you are liable for in the kingdom of heaven. He says, swear not at all, verse 34. Verse 37, let your communication be yea, yea. Truthfulness, no exaggerations, no withholding information to leave a false impression. You know how the other kingdom does it? They say, now you, do you swear, you solemnly swear to tell the truth? And Jesus says, no, you, know, that, you don't need to do that. But by my law, you just say yes, you say no, you don't exaggerate, you don't withhold, you just tell the truth. That's law, the kingdom of heaven. You are liable for that law. <clears throat> Laws of responding to evil, verses 38 through 48. Resist not evil. Go with him twain. Not only don't react to evil, but overcome evil with good. Love your enemies, it says. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them. <laughs> that sounds proactive to me. You know, <clears throat> I've heard us say as parents already, you know, our girls come home and they say, oh, man, so-and-so on the playground, he just, he just did this and that. He doesn't want to play with me. And, 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 and then, you know, what tends to come out of our mouth, well, just ignore him. Just, and uh, I've been convicted of that. God help us. I mean, I know our children are young and they need to be nurtured. And someday Jesus can get a hold of their hearts and, and birth this within them. But we need to be teaching them that, no, 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 bless them that curse you. Do good to them. Pray for them. Okay, tonight when we go to bed, we're going to pray for them. That's the law, folks. Laws of responding to evil. <clears throat> if you only love them which love you, what reward have ye? Sinners can do that. You've got to have a higher standard than that. <clears throat> Laws for the use of treasure, over in chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. I heard someone say in, in one of our Sunday schools one time, this is, he said, this is a very personal issue, and we each need to decide it for, them, for yourselves. And I'm like, well, I wonder if it would be better to have a discussion about this. You know, is it really okay for us to be so diverse in what we think this means? <clears throat> As a resident of earth, you will have to do with treasure, earthly money, resources. But heavenly citizenship law dictates the use and the distribution of that treasure. Are you violating that law? <laughs> to consume resources upon yourself is not permitted. I think that's what that said back there. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. It does mean something. It seems to me when it comes to money, somehow we tend to take the Bible, our tendency is to take the Bible and, and shift it around and bring it on down, and guess what? It lines up with exactly the way that I'm practicing. Man, I'm glad I'm just lined right up with Scripture. <clears throat> and I just need to wrestle with this myself. I know that. 
But you guys don't know me. You don't know the stuff that I have, and you don't know my bank account. You're welcome to come visit us in Indiana, and you can see. <clears throat> but have we learned the skill and the joy of giving away earthly treasure with no gain? When we give it for heaven's sake, to for no gain in this life, it, you know, to the eyes of the world, it's foolish to give away that time and the resources, the treasures you have, the talents you have, to give it away. Because you're living by the laws of the kingdom of heaven. You're storing up treasure in heaven. <laughs> you have to see the kingdom of God to have joy in giving away money. <laughs> Is that true? I know what it feels like to reach into my wallet. And, I mean, it comes out so hard. And the last one. I want to mention is laws for trust. My attitude toward the things in life that I cannot control, chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Verse 25 in chapter 6. I'll just read that briefly. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on, and so on. Take no thought. After all these things that the Gentiles seek. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. What is the responsibility of our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven? And I believe our responsibility is this, to embrace. You know, if we see all these laws that I'm talking about, if we see the value of these laws, we say, you know what, man, that looks like, <laughs> that looks like, you know, Cake and ice cream after church. I mean, that looks so good. I just want to dive in. I just want a taste of this. I, I embrace, I see it. it man, it looks good. I, I, I embrace it. Not because I have to, but because I want to. To embrace and promote the laws and the values of the kingdom of heaven. To be so infected by these values that I would skillfully use my resources, my talent, my time. I call it the three T's. My time, my talent, my treasure to infect others. You know, when you're infected with something, enthused about something, it's a lot easier to draw a crowd. Is that right? <laughs> you're a good salesman. I guess we're supposed to be satisfied customers. I heard somebody say that. But I believe that, that really, that's, you know, and sometimes we're, <laughs> sometimes we're so, uh, you know, the things of God, the kingdom of heaven is like, you know, eating broccoli and spinach, and I know it's good for me, but it sure doesn't taste very good. And it's really hard to say to somebody else, come on, eat this spinach. But, you know, if it would be like the cake and the ice cream, we'd say, man, here, hey, sit down. <laughs> it's like today. I like drinking coffee. I'm trying to quit it, at least to cut back on it. <clears throat> and I was sitting at Gerald's house today. And he said, would you like some coffee? And I said, no, no. And then he started pouring that delicious liquid and I said, you know what? I'll take a half a cup. <laughs> God help us to be so infected. We don't have to do this, folks. We get to. Infection produces a burden. Burden produces a vision. Vision produces action. An action that is propelled by vision, burden, and infection produces influence, salting the earth. Are you doing that? Can God honestly look down at your life and say, that brother, that sister is infectious 
a little bit of salt is infecting the whole thing. I'm just going to close with prayer. And then after that, I would just invite you, if you have something to share, confession. We'll, we'll give confessions priority, okay? Or something else you want to say. I would just encourage you to humble yourself right here with your brothers and sisters. Share something. If, you, if God has laid something on your heart tonight in regard to the message, I would just ask you to be vulnerable enough to share that after we pray. Let's bow our heads. <clears throat> Father in heaven, oh Lord God, thank you for the kingdom of heaven. Help us, Lord, to live for the values of the kingdom of heaven while living on earth. God, help us. Forgive us, Lord. We have been consumed with temporal values. And the things of heaven became dim and distant. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Lord, that song says the things of earth grew strangely dim. God, help us. I pray for this church, Lord. You know the needs. You know the, the burdens. You know the struggles. You know the strengths. Oh, God, birth your kingdom in our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.